Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short, about a 13-minute Bible study every single day, getting us into God's Word and thereby helping us to stay focused on our relationship with God, but also helping us to grow in our faith, stay strong in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And the more we're in God's Word, the more focused we are on our soul's salvation. You know people in your life who need to turn their thinking, their focus in life around, don't you? Probably some within your own family. Share these short studies with them every single day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But make that commitment and start sharing with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. You may help somebody get to heaven by getting them into God's Word through these short studies every day. What a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day. We're going to get back into our study about false teaching and false teachers. Again, I've, I've tried to make the point many times by way of illustration. A false teacher does not go around declaring himself to be a false teacher. Well, that would be foolish, wouldn't it? He wouldn't, get, he, wouldn't get, he wouldn't get anybody to listen to him. He doesn't go around with a sign around his neck saying, I want to lead you astray. I want to teach you false doctrine. I want to get you to be disobedient to God's teachings. Of course not. It's just like the devil doesn't go around identifying himself to be the devil when he's trying to tempt people into sin. False teachers don't declare themselves to be false teachers. I would suggest to you that most false teachers probably consider themselves to be teachers of the truth of God's Word. But when you examine what they teach against what God's Word actually says, you recognize, if you know God's Word deeply enough, you recognize that they're teaching some false teaching. Now, it may not be completely everything they're teaching. Probably a lot of what they teach is true. But at the same time, they're teaching false doctrine, false teaching. We say, well, okay, well, a whole lot of it's true. Well, what about that, that little bit? Maybe I can just dis, you know, disregard that. Well, let me ask you this. How much poison is too much poison? When you look at the contents in a box of rat poison, you're probably going to find out that most of it, the vast, vast majority of it, well, it's food. It's edible. Only a very small percentage of it is actually poison. But that small percentage is enough to kill the mouse or the rat or whatever eats it. You see, how much false teaching is too much. How much false teaching can lead me astray from what God wants me to do, how he wants me to follow him? We need to stay away from all false teaching. Well, we talked about some things that people will say, well, my preacher says, and we've seen, uh, no, that's not okay just because your preacher says it. You need to make sure that what your preacher says is what God's word says. And if your preacher says something that contradicts what God's word says, or if your preacher leaves out something that God's word says, 
then you need to stay away from that false teaching from that preacher. Some preachers say <clears throat> the Bible is not all God's word. A lot of it's just man's wisdom, whoever wrote it down. That's false. The Bible declares itself to be totally God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, from the Greek, it means all scripture is God-breathed, his very word. Now, when you say, well, but it's not all God's word. Not all scripture is God's scripture. Tell me which, was, which is which. See, now you're using human reasoning instead of God's word. My preacher says church tradition and creeds are, are equally authoritative with, as the Bible. Uh, false. They have no place alongside the Bible if they do not conform to the teachings of the Bible. And if they conform to the teachings of the Bible, why do you need them? The only creed book we need is the Bible itself. Well, my preacher says that God may have used evolution to create the world. Really? You mean God needed evolution? That's false also. Again, what do the scriptures say? For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Exodus 20 and verse 11. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 and verse 1. Every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Hebrews 3 and verse 4. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3. God didn't need evolution as a mechanism to create the world. That's false science. God is the creator, the designer behind the design that we see all around us in this world and in the universe. Well, my preacher says that I should wait for a better felt than told conversion experience. This warm feeling to come over me, feel fuzzy. Maybe I get dizzy. Well, that's not how Jesus told Ananias to go teach Saul of Tarsus. Saul came to Ananias, Ananias came to Saul, who would later become the apostle Paul after he became a Christian, and said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. Acts 22 and verse 16. We need to simply obey God's word to come to salvation, the gospel plan of salvation that, G that God sent his son to bring to this world and thereby to all mankind. My preacher says that I should refer to him as father or reverend. Really? Where does the Bible say that? I can't find it there. In fact, the Bible says, call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Now they're talking in that particular context of scripture about religious titles. And there are some who have taken upon themselves the religious title of father or reverend, but that's not in conformity with what the scriptures say. 
Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. But he that is greatest among you shall be called your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Matthew 23, verses 9 through 12. And by the way, Jesus was speaking there himself. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. Psalm 111 and verse 9, and that text is speaking of God. The only one to whom you see the title reverend ascribed in scripture is God, not any preacher. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ, equal before God as Christians. Galatians 3 and verse 28. Well, my preacher says a baptism by sprinkling is just as good as immersion. Really? What does the Bible say? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Romans 6 and verse 4 and also verse 17. You don't sprinkle a little dirt over somebody to bury them. You cover them up. You put them in the ground. Jesus was not buried on top of the earth and they put a little dirt over him. In places, sprinkled a little bit, they put him all the way in that tomb. He was sealed in that ground. The scriptures don't teach sprinkling for baptism. And it's not all right for us to come along and change what is true scriptural baptism to conform to what to some more convenient mode that we like. That's not real baptism. Sprinkling, pouring, rubbing some water on somebody's forehead. In Acts chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, Philip commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. Now, why did they go down into the water? Why did they come up out of the water? Because the eunuch said, look, see, here is water. What is hindering me from being baptized? There was a sufficient body of water to immerse that man into Christ, to baptize him by immersion into Christ. It was not sprinkling. It was not pouring. They would not have had to have gone down into the water. In fact, they probably did not even need to stop the chariot. They did not even have to come to a body of water. The eunuch probably undoubtedly had some container of water right there with him in the chariot. Philip could have just dipped his fingers in that and sprinkled it on the forehead of that eunuch, if that's what baptism truly is. But it is not. And so the eunuch understood, see, here is water. What's hindering me from being baptized? And Philip took him down into the water and brought him up out of the water. There are a couple more that I want us to really focus on 
in the next couple of times together here in today's Bible class. But prayerfully and hopefully, you're seeing clearly by now that just because my preacher says it does not mean it is true to God's word. My preacher saying it does not necessarily mean God's word says it. And we need to go by what God's word says. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being patient with us and giving us time to learn your word, giving us the ability to understand it clearly and to be able to obey it accurately. Help us to see, help everybody to see their need to do exactly that. Your word is your guide to our salvation, our eternal life with you in heaven. Thank you, Father. Guide us in your word always. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.